Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. All right. Let me see where we're at. Let's get to let's get to the word of God. Genesis chapter 11. Genesis 11 is where we're going to hang out. Who has Bibles today? Who got Bibles? One, two, one. Okay, two. Y'all are spiritual. I see you. All right, we got a few. All right, let's get to it. If you don't grab your devices or whatever it is that contains the word of God, go to Genesis. If you don't know where Genesis is, it's just going to be a long Sunday. First book of the Bible, no shade. First book of the Bible is where we're going to hang out. Welcome to our first time visitors. If you're hanging out with us for the first time, listen, I promise y'all, it is a big deal for us. It is a big deal that you decided that you would hang out with Epiphany Church today. Uh, we don't take it lightly. We understand that you could have went anywhere. This, the, 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 the kingdom of God is a big kingdom and Epiphany Church is not the only place where the gospel is, is going forth, but you decided to come here. And I don't know how you heard about the church. I don't know if you got bamboozled and you, got, you didn't know you were going to church. And you just showed up here. I have no clue. But nevertheless, I believe that God um, is pursuing you. And I think that there's something he wants to say to you. Those of you who are online, man, we are, I'm grateful for technology. I was telling the, um, our, our, our volunteers, we call them Brooklyn's Finest. We have a huddle every morning before the first service starts. And I was telling them early, I was reading a card that someone sent the church. You know, we get sporadic. Uh, cards from time to time and sometimes we get actual stuff like uh, if we do the, uh, a baby dedication sometimes people will send the church pampers because they saw it they don't even live here and we got a we got a card a few weeks ago it's been sitting on my desk but something said bring it down today and read it to the to our, our Brooklyn's finest and so I did and in in that card it was it was this from this guy from Kansas that has been following the church he grew up in St. Louis he said he kind of grew up in a bunch of different churches but for some reason, he just is really drawn to the church and he knew details about the church. He'd never been here. He's like, man, tell Matthias he's killing that B3. How do you know? I, I text Matthias. I was like, do you know him? Like, but it, you know, it's technology is, is powerful that we get, you know, to hype the gospel out and we have no clue how it lands. So shout out to y'all that are, that are online. If, if you live in the neighborhood and you're online, Please consider being here. There's something about being in the space versus being online. Online is just a, it's a tool, a supplemental. Uh, it, it, it's a supplement. It is not the main meal, but being inside the building really is. And I'm, I'm getting that from Acts 1, uh, Acts 2, when the Bible says that they were in the upper room and they were on one accord and they were in one place. Acts 13, they were in one spot and you see how the spirit moved. And so if you're online and uh, you're just kind of chilling online and you live in the neighborhood. We would love to see you here. We will make space. I know it's tight. I promise y'all we got a plan. I promise y'all we got a plan and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out to continue to maximize on what the Lord is doing here. But consider coming to the building so that we can all worship together. All right, let's get into it. Fourth Wednesday night prayer and Bible study. I, I would love to see you guys. We're talking about generational um, curses. If you notice, I put that in quotes. We'll define what that is and what that looks like. Um, because I really do genuinely believe that there's a large portion of this room that is carrying a lot of baggage from generational baggage. I don't know if we beefing or not, but you should have said amen right there. I'm serious. You should have said amen right there. But I, I, I really, I want to help us because I think God is going to break some generational dysfunction, spiritual dysfunction. And it, 
it's not just Wednesday we have to wait for, although I, want, I would love for Wednesday to look like this, but I actually want to start that conversation today because for some reason, God has not let me up off of this. Um, he's not let me up off of this topic of the past and, and the generational baggage and that he wants to break it. I think it's going to start today, but we'll finish it on Wednesday if that's all right. So I'll, I'll kind of kick it off today. Be back Wednesday and we'll do a part two. Um, all right, let's dig in. Genesis 11. Pick me up in verse number 10. We're going to do 11, chapter 11. We're going to go, we're, we're going to just electric slide right to chapter 12. Verse 10 says, these are the generations of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he fathered Arpachshed two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he fathered Arpachshed 500 years. That's a lot of birthday candles on that cake. He lived 500 years and had other sons and daughters. That's important. Pay attention to that. Verse 12, and when Arpachshed had lived 35 years, he fathered Shelah. And Arpachshed lived after he fathered Shelah 403 years and had other sons and daughters. Verse 14, and when Shelah had lived 30 years, he fathered Eber. And Shelah lived after he fathered Eber 403 years and he had other sons and daughters. And when Eber had lived 34 years, he fathered Peleg. And Eber lived after he fathered Peleg 430 years and had other sons and daughters. Now, pay attention to this. That, that's the last of the people that lived four generations. I've shared this with you guys a couple weeks ago on, on why I think uh, the numbers in terms of years living has digressed. Some people, you know, <laughs> say it was no pollution in the air. Maybe they didn't eat bacon. Um, I, I tend to believe that once sin entered into the, into the world, that uh, the number of years started to digress. I think genetics got impacted by sin, which is why we can be born with disformities. It, it's not because God isn't good or God isn't perfect. It's because sin entered the world and fractured everything. But that's the last of the four generations. Verse 18, when Peleg lived 30 years, he fathered Ryu. And Peleg lived after he fathered Ryu 200, 209 years, and he had other sons and daughters. And Ryu had lived 32 years. He fathered Sarug. And Ryu lived after he fathered Sarug. When Sarug had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. And Sarug, and Sarug lived after he fathered Nahor 200 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Nahor had lived, he fathered Terah. And, and, and Nahor lived after he fathered Terah 119 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Terah lived 70 years, you know this name, he fathered Abram. Somebody say Abram. That's Abraham, same, same person. Nahor and Haran. Jump down to verse number 32. Now the days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and those who dishonor you, I will curse them. And in you, pay attention to this promise, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Y'all know how crazy that is? Right now, Abraham is 75 years old. His wife is barren. He doesn't have even one child. And he was just promised that he would birth a nation. There's a point where he can go out. The scripture says that God takes him out and says, look up at the stars. 
your descendants, your seed will outnumber the stars. And he starts at 75. That's for an old head in the room that feels like you passed your prime. God can use you at any point. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, A Life Interrupted by God. A Life Interrupted by God. Let's, uh, let's look to the Lord. Father, I simply pray Psalm 119, verse 18 over our church. Open our eyes that we may behold the wondrous things out of your law. It's in Christ's name we give glory. Amen. Somebody say, a life interrupted by God. It is tragic, yet true, that many people reach a point in their life. If you haven't reached it yet, you, you'll reach it. Pay attention to it. We, we reach a point in our life where we begin to get stuck in rhythms. Y'all know what I'm talking about, where you just kind of have a routine and you just go through, through that routine. And some of y'all are in that right now. And, you know, you, you feel comfortable in it. But after a while, the routine just becomes boring. And y'all know that routine I'm talking about where you get up in the morning. Every morning you, you, you get up and, you know, you may or may not spend time in that devotional app. You know, you, you, you might make yourself some breakfast if you, if you have time to do so. Or y'all are healthy. Y'all make yourself a smoothie. And then if you have, if you have a commute, right? You, you finally rush. Y'all time it real good. You rush to the train to get into that hot platform so that you don't have to sit too long. Y'all know what I'm saying. Everybody got that fan now. That, everybody got that now. And so you finally get on the train and, you know, you either doze off if you're tired or you check your phone or whatever. And if you work remote in your home, everybody has that one spot in the house that's conducive for work. It may not be, it may not be an office, but how many got that one spot that you just, it just, it's where you go. It's, it's your spot. And so if you are, if you are, if you are remote and you're working from home, you know, you, you find that spot and you sit in it and you start working. I think about when the pandemic first started, man, many of us created, you know, spots where, where we, we got actually dressed up like we were at work, sprayed cologne on, nobody could smell you, sprayed you some perfume on, you know, now you lucky if, if we get your camera on. We had a meeting earlier this week, and several of us had our cameras on, and somebody didn't have their camera on Kayla, and she's like, is this a camera on meeting? And I'm like, if you want it to be, you don't have to have your camera on. But the point is, we get stuck. Like, we, we do the same thing every day. Y'all know at some point in the day, we're going to check our social media. Oh, we're going to, it's just some point in the day, either we're going to do it on company time, or we're going to do it when we're on our break. Y'all know we ain't going a full 24 without checking the gram. That's just how it works. Y'all know we also, it's impossible for us to go through a day without saying one or two statements. One of two statements. Either we're going to start a sentence with, is given. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Or, or we're going to start the sentence with, not me being. Y'all know we do that. You get, you, you, know, you get your breakfast, your little you know, bacon, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup, and you take a picture of it and you be like, not me, you know, eating breakfast. It's like, just eat it. You know, you get your 15-minute break, not me finally getting outside. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start with not me. Finally, we end work. This is the routine. Finally, we end work. We jump on a train or, you know, if you're home, you just kind of unplug, you close everything up. And then we either take a shower or we, we make dinner, we eat dinner or we order something. And then we watch our TV show. You know, we binge watch for a while only to fall asleep to get back up to do the same thing. And we do this 
day in and day out and next week the same thing and next thing you know next year and then the whole decade you've done the exact same thing. But my fear with, with rhythms and routine is that if you're not careful, it won't leave room for interruptions. And we serve a God of interruptions. I mean, think about Jesus. Most of his miracles weren't planned. Jesus was on his way somewhere, and then boom, a woman with the issue of blood stops him, and he engages with interruptions. Is how Think about Paul. Paul was going about his business to persecute the church. Acts chapter 9, he's knocked, knocked off a horse. Interruptions. And what we see happening in the text, chapter 11, chapter 11 gives us uh, the descendants of Shem, or I would say the descendants of Abraham from Shem all the way to Abraham but what you see happen in chapter 12 is an interruption. Somebody say interruption. Abraham's life in Genesis 12 be begins to get interrupted, but it gets interrupted for the better. Now, I would say it's impossible for us to understand interruptions unless two things are happening, unless we understand the rhythms of our life and we understand the lineage that we come from. Now, let me say that again. You have to understand the rhythms of your life, but you also have to pay attention to the lineage that you come from, because I believe that what God wants to interrupt is our lineage. He wants to interrupt some of the things that were passed down, some of the things that, 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 were, that were dysfunctional, that happened to make their way all the way to you. I think today is the day that he is going to begin to disrupt them. If you're writing notes, write this down. Everybody must examine what lineage they come from and what legacy they're leaving. Let me say that again. Everybody must examine what lineage they come from and what legacy they're leaving. This, this, this afternoon, what I want us to do is, I want us to act like we're in a, in a car and we're driving. And in front of you is the, wind, is the windshield, right? It, it spans the length of the car. But then on the windshield is a rearview mirror. Do you notice that the rearview mirror is smaller than the windshield? Because that means when I drive, I'm not supposed to constantly look back, but I have to peek. Because it helps me as I move forward. I hope y'all, I don't know why y'all not saying amen. Maybe it's me. I'll do better. Give me some time here. There's a reason why the, why, why the rear view mirror is smaller. Because I'm not supposed to actually drive looking through the rear view. I'm supposed to, this morning what I want us to do is I want you to peek back. As we move forward. Why? Because I genuinely believe that everybody must examine their lineage now, in, in order to understand the legacy that they are leaving. Before us today, in Genesis 11, is a genealogy. Ten generations to be exact. Now, Moses loves gene genealogies. And y'all know we don't. Like, let's be honest. If you want that, that one-year Bible plan, everybody in the room has at some point skipped the genealogies. Because we feel like it ain't nothing in there. A bunch of dead people that we, sometimes we only hear about them one time in this genealogy. What could God possibly be saying? But if you understand 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God. That means your favorite scripture is a scripture that is breathed out by God. But that also means that the genealogy's got something in there for me. And it would behoove you to never, ever, spiritually mature people don't skip genealogy. Oh, pay attention to them. Do a study on each name. Cross-reference. Find out where else you can find the names of these people. Moses, loved, Moses, the writer of Genesis, loves a genealogy. This is not the first time he laid out a genealogy. In Genesis chapter 5, he lays out the, the, the genealogy from Adam to Noah. 
And then finally, in Genesis chapter 10, he goes from Noah's descendants. And then now in chapter 11, he gives Noah's son, Shem. He gives the descendants of Shem, which I like to call the descendants that lead up to Abraham. And I think that this is important for us today because what we're going to see is that the lineage that he gives, the families that are named, notice it didn't just name 10 people. It said, and they had sons and daughters. What is so interesting is when you consider Abraham, you would think Abraham came from such a godly family. But can I promise you they were everything but godly? I'm not going to reread the text, but let me just name the names again. Shem, uh, Arpachshad, Sheila, Eber, Peleg, Reu, uh, Reu uh, Sarug, uh, Nahor, uh, Terah, Haran, leading up to Abraham. None of them knew the Lord. Now, I, I, I did the research for you. Not one of these families knew the Lord. But when I consider Abraham, Abraham was one of the godliest men of our faith. Abraham was one of the most important figures of our faith. If there was a biblical Mount Rushmore, Abraham is on, is on, the, is on the Mount Rushmore. Like, consider Abraham, the work of Abraham. I would bump Abraham up above a lot of people that you probably love in Scripture. Let me tell you who's on my Mount Rushmore, biblical Rushmore. It's four people on Mount Rushmore, right? Who are the four people? Oh, you see, and y'all ain't students, right? Y'all don't know? I don't care if you don't bleed red, white, and blue. Who are the four? Who? You said not Jesus? Uh, no, no, no. Not the four biblical. Who are the actual four on Mount Rushmore? Oh, God, y'all went deep. All right. I need the four. Come on, somebody got them. Who got the four? Thomas Jefferson is on there. Who else? George Washington is on there. Who else? Who? Lincoln is on there. One more. One more. Who? Theodore Roosevelt. Y'all got it. Those are the four. Now, if I got a biblical, if I got, a, if I got a biblical figures, let, let me get five because four is just hard for me. It, feel, it feels like, you know, those, those memes that pop up and there's four of your favorite actors and they'd be like, one of them got to go and all their work. I get so stressed out on those things. My friends send them in a, in a group chat. I'd be like, not today. I just don't, I don't have time to deal with this. Or your favorite rapper and all their music catalog got to go. That's what I feel. I'm going to choose five. Here are my, here's my Mount Rushmore. Jesus is not just on Mount Rushmore. He is Mount Rushmore. So he kind of like, he protrudes out of the mountain a little bit. He's here. But then the other four, for me, is one of them is Paul. One, I mean, I just love Paul. Paul has such a unique life. Like, you, you clearly see his life before he met Christ. And then once he meets Christ, he writes 75% of the New Testament. He plants churches. Paul is on my Mount Rushmore. You know who else is on there? Adam got to be on there. I mean, you don't get the rest of them unless Adam is, is created. So Ad, for me, Adam is on there. Moses is on there. But you better believe Abraham is on there. Now, I said five. If you said B, you only can do four. Oh, man, I hate to tell you all this, but Moses got to go. Moses got to. For me, I don't know about yours. And here's why Moses got to go. Here's why I put Abraham above Moses. When I consider Abraham's contribution and Abraham's mention in the text, do you realize that over 300 times in the scriptures, Abraham is mentioned? Do you know that 11 New Testament books mention Abraham? All four Gospels mention Abraham. In fact, if you look at Hebrews, when Hebrews gives the hall of faith in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, do you know most people are mentioned one time in one verse? Do you know that Moses gets six verses? Do you know Abraham gets 
12 verses? Do you know in Genesis, out of all the books and all the chapters in Genesis, 14 of them are about Abraham? Abraham is a big deal. And when I consider the, the life of Abraham, I'm like, man, he's such a godly dude. Like, man, like the descendants all come from Abraham. Like, wow. So I would think that he's a product of some good discipleship at home. But the 10 that I read to you today were 10 generations of dysfunction and spiritual absentee from God. And so Abraham isn't a product of what he learned from his father, Terah. He's not even a product of what he learned from his, God, his grandfather, Nahor. He learned that God was who he was because God stepped in to dysfunction and broke the chain and, and broke the rhythm and broke the routine. What was the routine? Godlessness after godless family, after godless family, after godless family. And then finally, God does something with Abraham. Let me read a scripture to you real quick. Joshua chapter 24 Verse number two says, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham, served other gods. Now, I'm reading about Abraham, but let's be honest. This, this is some of your story. Some of you grew up in homes where God was absent from the home. So some of you grew, grew up in homes where you're, 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 some of you grew up in homes with the father. Your father was absent. Some of you grew up in homes where it was just not a place where you saw prayer. Some of you, some of, I've talked to some of you. Some of you have prayed prayers that you wish you were not like your mother and you were not like your father. And so everybody didn't grow up seeing mama and daddy worshiping the Lord. There are some people that grew up in a godless household. There are some of you that grew up with, with, with a Muslim background. Some of you grew up in Hinduism. Some of you grew up in Kemet theology, that the Kemet household, that's the worship of Egyptian gods. And maybe you grew up in an atheist household or an agnostic household. Everybody didn't grow up thinking about God. But you know what I love? It doesn't matter how you grew up. God stepped in and changed your heart. And only God can do stuff like this. Only God can do a disruption. Somebody say interruption. That's, that's what your life is. Your life has been interrupted because God got, and if you think that he saved you just for you to be saved, you got something. I'm telling you, he saved you so that you can be salt and light, an ambassador of who he is, a representation, light in the midst of darkness. And don't you dare have your Christianity all for yourself. My, my love for Jesus should have a ripple effect on my job. It should have a ripple effect with my family. It should have, if you're a parent, it should have a ripple effect down to your children. And so... Papa might have been a rolling stone in your household, but if you were interrupted, you now have the cornerstone that changes the trajectory of your life. Anybody grateful that God stepped in? Oh, God, I'm grateful that you just stepped in. I'll deal more with generational curses on Wednesday. I just don't have time and the text doesn't lead us there. But write this down in your notes. You have to become a new pattern of faithfulness. Yeah, that some of you, that's what you, you have to become a new pattern of faithfulness. And I wonder if your story is closely tied to Abraham where God kicked down the door of your heart and said, she's mine. He's mine. In the midst of all the spiritual dysfunction, God wanted you. First of all, not be, he didn't want you because you brought something to the table. He wanted you because of his own sovereign 
election, despite that my family was godless, despite that I grew up with no mother, despite that I grew up with no father, despite that I had a rough upbringing, despite that things were tough in my life, God still chose me. And I don't know about you, man, but that messes your boy up. Now, here's why that's important. When I read Genesis 11 and I get to chapter 12, many of us have read chapter 12 before, but if you don't read it in the context that Abraham was saved out of a godless family, let me also mess you up that Abraham himself was godless. It ain't like Abraham had a dope prayer life and then God was like, oh, finally I can use you. God stepped in and the voice of God was, 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 was not familiar wasn't familiar to who he was, yet God stepped in. Now, here's why that's important. It's important because what you're about to see is that darkness is about to be completely swallowed up by the light. Generation after generation after generation of darkness. And finally, finally, after 10 generations of darkness, God finally does something with one of the family members. Who is it? It is Abraham. Now, here's the question I have that this is the way my mind works when I'm reading chapter 11 into chapter 12. I want to know what, what, what happened. What was the change? Give me something specific. Was it, was it a tent revival? Was, was somebody lay hands? Did somebody prophesy? What was it that caused a new link in the chain? What was it? I can tell you it's four words. Chapter 12, y'all. Verse number one. Here's what changed everything. Now the Lord said. I know this is too simple for y'all. Because you, you want something, you want some mystical interruption. But do you realize in the text what broke 10 generations of spiritual dysfunction was that God spoke? Oh, let me go deeper. You don't hear God speaking. Notice when I read verses 10 to verse 26, God didn't speak one time. In fact, the last time God spoke was to Noah. So here you go. Since Noah, we haven't heard from God, but what interrupted Abraham's life was God spoke. Oh, this is why you got to take your devotional life serious because you're sitting there crying. Well, Pastor B, how's God going to speak to me? Is he going to show up at my living room table? Is he just going to give me this audible voice? I mean, oh, man, I feel like I've been saying this over and over and over again. Remember last week I was saying, man, we serve a God that speaks, a, a God that talks. The way God talks is through his word. And some of you are missing the very voice of God simply because you can't be faithful to your 15-day devotional app. What if that's the way that God speaks to you? What if that is the way that God communicates? Do you realize that we got 66 books, 40 different authors, written over on three different continents, in three different languages, 1,189 chapters all about the person and work of Jesus Christ. What is God doing? Is speaking. Somebody say, God talks, y'all. God, God talks. And what changed the trajectory of Abraham's life was not somebody prophesying. What changed the trajectory of his life is that God said. Listen, young man, brother, listen, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to implore you to get back on your devotional grind. Get into your word. We need godly men that know how to parse Greek. We need godly women that read their words and, and teach the word and, and write curriculums. Why? Because it is not for you. You need to write something that outlives you. Because there's a, a great-grandchild that needs to know what grandmama said. And you could, you could be, I know you're only 20, right? You ain't, you ain't thinking about that. But I'm telling you, the decision you make to be faithful to hearing God's word and reading God's word today could affect the third or fourth generation from now. Do you realize we're only like two generations from being forgotten? Maybe three. 
If I went around the room and I said, man, name your great, great, great grandfather. Most of y'all can't do it. You know why you can't do it? Because they're three generations from being forgotten. But you know what leaves a legacy and impact? When you are faithful to your word and you, it's what I was reading in Psalm 78, when you pass that thing down to your kids and they pass it down to their kids and they pass it down and then they pass it on to friends and that's how this thing works. It's an interruption that we need and the interruption happens because God speaks. And how does he speak? He speaks through his word. So listen, get back on your, get back on your grind, get back in your bag and read the word of God. You know, another spiritual discipline, uh, spiritual discipline of hearing God's voice is not just reading the word of God, but also hearing the word of God. I know we only think of spiritual disciplines as I just got to discipline myself to read it, but you also got to, dis- di- uh, uh, you got to discipline yourself to get in position to hear the word. This is why we saying, come to church, pipe on. The reason we're saying that, and it's not because I'm so dope at preaching, it's just because God uses weak stuff and communicates through it. Put yourself in position to hear the word of God. It's a reason in Acts chapter 2 when 3,000 souls were added to the church. Do you know the Bible says in verse 42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching? So you want to devote yourself. I know you can hear from the Lord by yourself. I ain't taking that from you. But if you think that the only way that God speaks is through the word, you are missing it. You got to get yourself in position to hear the word of God. Ten generations of godless men of godless families, of godless daughters. And finally, God steps in and God says, I'm finally going to speak. I bought these books here today. This is um, when I first went into ministry. My father, he, um, my father got me these books. Well, he gave me these books. He had them already. And these are, you can tell they're old school books. This sermons and, and lectures and and my, fa- my father wanted to pass on something. He said, man, if you're going into ministry, you know, it's almost like Acts chapter 3, verse 6, where he's like, silver and gold, I have I not, but what I got, I give to you. But what does he give to me? He gives, he gives to me these books, another one uh, on, on sermons. And, and, and I'm, I'm just going through, I've read through all of these books because they've helped in some way. He checked this one out, never put it back in. This is a library card right here. He never, you got to pray for him. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm reading, I'm going through all of his books. Look, he wrote notes in this one. I'm going to read his note here. I hope he's not watching. Uh, I am weak, but you are strong. Ain't that what we sang today? Just the note in the book. He says, I am weak and, and you are strong. And then he has a little note here. It says, Brandon is my favorite son. Amen. <laughs> you know, he loves me. He loves me. Here's another one on lectures. My, my father gave me, and then, oh, he was spiritual. Let me show you how spiritual he was. He's like, man, I ain't just giving you the little books. I got this concordance. It's a strong concordance. I actually got this on an app now, so I don't, I don't use this no more. But my father taught me how to cross-reference through this book right here. He would sit me down and say, let me show you. Okay, you read that there? Now, here's how you, you go here and you write it in your Bible. You know, I know some of y'all are like, no, I don't write my Bible because I won't get my words confused with God's words. I know my handwriting, so I, I know God and, and my... But, but, but he taught me how to take a word, any word. I'm on a page that says, 106 says, because... And every word that says because and the word of God is in this, on this page, it's like two pages of it. And so this is, this is what he wanted to pass down. Why was he doing that? Because it's a lineage of faithfulness. And some of you, you may not have a library and a book that you can pass down, but you know what you got that you can pass down? Pastor Timmy, pass this down. 66 books that you can pass down and 
Passing them down is not just sitting there reading it to them, although I think you should. My father was so deep. Sometimes when I had an attitude, he would grab the Bible and he'd be like, let me just let the spirit fan and breathe on you. He did did that all the time. It still aggravates me. Even when I just said that, I feel triggered. I feel triggered. Y'all know we get triggered on everything. I feel triggered. But he also modeled it for me. He showed me what faithfulness looked like. I have never seen my father cheat on my mother. Never seen it. But guess what? He had a father that did. But what did he become? A new link. What God did was interrupted his life and passed it down. And then my job now is to pass it down to my children. Look, I'm going to pass down a lot of bad traits to my kids. I know it. I already know it. In fact, they're real vocal about it, so they tell me about it. I know I'm going to pass down some things that are dysfunctional, and so are you, don't think. I don't care how good of a parent you are. You're going to pass down something that you wish that you didn't, but it just happens. But thank God that God covers that stuff and covers our foolishness. And my hope and prayer is that when I am dead and gone, my great, 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 great grandchildren will know the Lord because I modeled faithfulness in the house. Somebody say interruptions. Oh. And so how does it, how does, what is the interruption for you? The interruption is first hearing the voice of God. The days of skimming the word are over. It's, I'm telling y'all, it's whack. I'm just not following the Lord to be halfway in doing it. I'm not following the Lord to only hear the word of God on Sunday. Stop skimming the word. Stop just kind of going like this and putting your finger down. Like, this is what I'm going to read. Develop a plan and a system and a structure. How you got a whole plan for how you pay your bills and how you save money. You know how to put that spreadsheet together or whatever it is that you're putting together. You know how to do all of this stuff. How in the world do we not know how to be faithful and devotional in our time with the Lord. I'm telling you, there's not a day you should skip the word. Oh, I'll leave my phone home before I skip the word of God every day. And you may not get an hour long. I don't know why I'm on this point so long. You might not get an hour long, but if you can get 15 minutes, why? Because you position yourself to hear from God. 10 generations. Interruption. Why? Because the scripture told me now the Lord said the voice of God is clear as day when you spend time with him. This, I mean, this is the same point I made last week, so I'm going to move on. Okay, look at, chapter, look at chapter 12. I want you to see this reoccurring theme. There's a word, two, two words, a phrase that shows up over and over and over again. It says, now the Lord said to Abraham, or Abram, go from your country and from your kindred and your father's, uh, uh, and your father's house to the land that, here's the word, I will show you. And I will make your name great. And I will bless you. Uh, I, I, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And to those who dishonor you, I will curse them. And in you, the families of the earth shall be blessed. Did y'all pick that up five times? I will, I will, I will, I will. I will. When I think about and I consider the relationship that God has with Abraham, it's easy for me to sit back and go, oh, he has a relationship with Abraham because I know the end of the story and Abraham maintained faithfulness. Yeah, he had a little issue, you know, you know, around Genesis 22. He had a little issue, but let's be honest, he was faithful in the totality of his relationship with the Lord. And it's easy for me to accredit that to Abraham. But if I understand the text, let me get theologically correct here. The scripture says, I will, meaning God pursued Abraham, not Abraham pursued God. Oh my gosh, let me tell y'all something, because many of you have this entitlement because you think you chose God. 
Oh, it's the, it's the mouse chasing the cat. It don't happen. What God does is God sits up in heaven and he looks down and he'll be like, Rayu was a fool and, and, and Eleg was a fool. And they all, and finally get to Abraham, he'd be like, I will choose him. The reason you're saved in here right now is because God chose you. Not because you brought something to the table, not because you had it together, but because God is faithful. It's called divine sovereignty. And I don't want to get in a debate with you over this because I know some of y'all are like, oh, free will versus sovereignty. Let me tell you something. When God wants something, do you know he's powerful enough to say it's mine and it's actually his? Did he not create you? Did he not make you? Jeremiah 17 will say that our hearts are deceitful and, and desperately sick. How does a sick heart choose God? It doesn't. What God has to do is here's regeneration. He digs into your heart and he illuminates Jesus so that you see Jesus. The reason you heard the gospel but didn't hear it because he didn't illuminate your heart yet. But when you gave your life to him, it's because he says, I will choose them. That's what it. Why am I so hype right now? I will five times. I will choose them. I will do this. I will do that. And it's because God chooses us. The interruption in your life is not because you want to be interrupted. We don't have it in us. You don't want to be interrupted. But thank God he does it anyway. Let me read Jesus' words to you. John 15, verse 16. You didn't choose me. I feel like he had an attitude right here. But I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit. God pursued Abraham. I got to get you to understand this because it will make your praise and worship a little bit better. Because when you understand that God didn't have to choose you, but he still chose you despite the mess, despite the fact that you wasn't right, despite the fooling around, despite that you were throwing it back, despite that you was doing your own thing, despite that you was letting your hair down, despite that he knew that you would be unfaithful after you gave your life, he still looked down and said, I will choose them. Can we give God a praise for choosing us? Oh, man. I don't know why y'all are more excited. There is somebody that's in this room that doesn't know the Lord. And you've been coming week in and week out, and you're trying to figure out why. Can I promise you it's not because Epiphany's so dope? Oh, I know we got smoke. I, I know Colin kills the game. Like, I, I know Matthias is gifted. I, I get it. I know my preaching is average at best. The reason you keep coming back is not because Epiphany is dope. It's because there is an I will on your life, and God is pursuing you, and he's coming after you, and he's coming after you. Why? Because he wants to interrupt your life. You're going through the routine. Spiritually, you're going through the routine. And he's like, I want to do something else with you. And so therefore, I will choose you. He didn't choose Abraham because Abraham had it together or he was so special. Abraham was a godless man like his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather. He chose Abraham because he's like, I got a work to do in the earth. And so therefore, I'll look down, I'll say mine. And his grace is so dope, it's irresistible. When he wants you, you can run and you can run and you can run. But at some point, you're going to be lifting your hands and giving Jesus praise because his grace is irresistible. This is some theologically heavy stuff. There is a new link that I believe God is starting. Y'all give me a few more minutes here. I'm not ending yet. Just give me a few more minutes and I promise I'll be done. There's a new link that I think that God is starting in, in the chain of your family. And I'm just asking, like, what, what, if, it, what if it started with you? What, what, if, what if the new link in your family, this is your family lineage, this is your legacy, and your grandfather and your great-grandfather and your great-grandfather might have all been unfaithful, and they, they're weak links, but somewhere in there starts a new strong link. 
And what if it's you? And what, what, if it's, what if it's not that deep? Okay, so what if it is deep? What if you're the first person to actually give your life to the Lord in your family? Well, what if you're the first person that actually prays? You're the first person that actually reads through the whole Bible. What if you're, okay, let's go a little bit more simple. What if you're the first person to go back to college? What if you're the first person not to cheat on your wife? What if you're the first person in your family to, to, to be committed to one person and one person alone? What if that is the new link? I believe that today that this is your family and it got a lot of mess in it. I'm not trying to dismiss your trauma. I'm not trying to dismiss your pain. But I am saying the decision you make today can affect three or four generations from now. If I can get y'all to believe this. You know, Ty... Ty normally says to my boys when they're leaving out the house, she says, the decisions you make today will affect your life tomorrow. I want to add to that. The decisions you make today can affect generations to come. Your sin, you can pass down sin and dysfunction, or you can pass down faithfulness and godliness. Which one will you choose today? Imagine that. You could mess up a whole nother generation. Simply because you refuse to be faithful to the Lord. I just want to be the first. Somebody say, I want to be the first. I don't know what legacy looks like, but Lord, let me be the first. Okay, the reason, I'm going to move on quick. The reason we don't like interruptions is because interruptions typically come with no security. Notice in Abraham's life, in verse 1, the Bible says that you should leave your family and your kindred and go to a land that you don't know. First of all, God, you talking to me and I don't know your voice. I'm not familiar with you. Who are you? And then you want me to go to a land that's not familiar? When it says leave your father, it means leave everything. It, that's what it means. It, when he says leave your family, that means I'm removing the safety net from under you, and I want you to walk straight on that little rope, the tight rope. That's what it means. It means giving God everything. And that's my question. When I say who wants to be interrupted, everybody's like me. But do you know interruptions come sometimes without uh, physical security? But are you trusting God enough that he actually knows where to lead you? Do you know where God led Abraham to Cana? Do you realize that? That the descendants that come after him all have a blessing because they are all sitting in a land that God promised to Abraham and Abraham messed up and God was still faithful to the promise. Oh, that'll preach for hours right there. Let me say that again. Maybe they, do you know Abraham messed up? And God still fulfilled the promise to him. Why? Because the promise is never on you. God fulfills the promise because of his faithfulness. There's a point in Abraham's life. Oh, man. Y'all remember that Bible study years ago where I took the... Y'all wasn't here. It was only two, two or three of y'all. Well, I took, I took a stuffed animal and it was a goat and I cut it in half because there's a scripture that says to take the animal, cut it in half. And what happened back in the day is... When you did a covenant, they didn't have contracts that they signed. And so they would put one half of the animal over here and the cut up animal, the other half would be over here. And the two people that made the covenant, my God, would both walk between the animal. And what it signified is, is one of us break the covenant. What happened to the animal will happen to us. Now watch God. The scripture tells me in Genesis that God cuts up the animal, sacrifice, puts one part of the animal here. Put the other part here. And the Bible says that he had Abraham go through alone. 
That's uncommon. You didn't go through, you went through with the person you made the covenant with. God is like, I'm making a covenant, but I ain't gonna have nobody else walk through it. I'm so good on, on baking on my promises, you can walk through alone. And the Bible says that a smoking pot goes with them. The smoking pot is the presence of God. In other words, the covenant wasn't on Abraham to fulfill. It was on God to fulfill, which is why it's still relevant today. God's faithful. God's faithful. And if you could just believe, I'm closing this so I can end. If you could just believe that God actually wants to do something with you. But if you could just walk away from the trauma and walk away from the dysfunction and walk away from the mess and become a new link. I was at the Apple store a couple weeks ago and um, in the Apple store in Soho, in the bathroom, I don't know how it is in the women's bathroom, uh, in the men's bathroom, there's, there's two stand-up stalls and then there's two sit-down stalls. And a father and his son were at the, at the two stalls. Now, one of the stalls is lower because it's a kid's stall. I don't know if you ladies know how this works. There's a kid's stall. It's a lower one. And then there's a higher stall for, for an adult. And the kid, the father and the son were there. The kid was at the, at the lower stall and the father was at the, the tall stall. And the father did his business and I was washing my hands, turned around and came to the sink next to me and washed his hands. The little boy stayed. And, and the, the father's like, come on, let's go. And he's like, I don't know how to flush the toilet. Now, he didn't know that it was a digital toilet. And so the father said, God, this is so prophetic. The father said, all you got to do is walk away. Oh, and if you could just walk away from the trauma and you could walk away from the pain and you could walk away from this dysfunction and be the new link. Now, I was going to call an altar call, but I genuinely believe everybody is on the altar because I think God's interruption is for all of us today. And I don't care if you've been walking with the Lord for a while. You know what I meant to say? You can play something, guys. You know what I meant to say? I meant to say... Abraham was 75 years old when he got the promise. Well past his prime. Right? Like Sarah, Sarah was barren. In fact, not only was Sarah, Sarah barren, but she says when she got the promise, she says, my husband is dried up. That's what she says. And yet, God took Abraham out and says, look up at the stars. Your descendants will outnumber the stars. I'm 75 and I don't got a kid. Can I go a little deeper here? Y'all got like five more minutes and I'm gonna let y'all go. Think about, think about Genesis 22 when he's told to take his son up on Mount Moriah. You promised me that my descendants would outnumber the stars and here you are telling me to kill my child. Kill the promise. And yet God was faithful. Because the Bible says that when Abraham looked over in the thicket, there was a ram stuck in the bush. You know what that ram was? Substitutionary atonement. It was, that, it was what Christ would do for us. That Christ died in our place. And so as we talk about covenant and lineage and new lines and interruptions, the greatest interruption happened on the cross of Christ. That he looked at you in the future and said, they're gonna come from a place that that's dysfunctional. And so I gotta give them hope. And so I'm gonna get up on a cross and die on their behalf. Every head bowed and eye closed. Lord, I don't know, man. I feel like I was all over the place, Lord, but I, I think you can use scraps. So Lord, I, I don't know if any of it made sense. So Lord, I, I pray that your spirit 
does a work that my words couldn't do. That your spirit would dig into our hearts and that we would take serious these things that we talked about today. As we talked about Abraham heard your voice and it was what changed the trajectory and interrupted his life. Lord, I pray, oh God, that we would be people that are discerning and clear on your voice. Because if we can get clear on your voice, we will be able to identify counterfeits easier. So Lord, would you speak to us, but not just speak to us, but give us the ability to hear you. Let us have a, a proximity to your word. Let, let us be close to hearing your word and be serious about reading our word. Lord, may, may that mark the new trajectory of our life starting this week. So I thank you, oh God, for speaking. I thank you, oh God, for the fact that you're going to do something in this room with somebody. There is something new. They're on the brink of something new. Lord, I pray, oh God, that they would have endurance. May, may they have endurance in those moments, oh God, where the world comes against them and wants to pluck out what you're doing. Lord, I pray that you would protect them. That you would put a hedge of protection. Protect the promise. Protect the promise. Protect the gift. Protect the seed. Put it in them, oh God. And Lord, we, we won't be alive to see ten generations from now if you don't come back. We won't be alive to see that. But we just, we genuinely believe the way Abraham believed. That if we can just trust you and give you everything, and you interrupt our lives in a significant way, we, we just believe, oh God, that ten generations of now will still be walking with you because we've made a decision in this room and online to be faithful. Thank you, oh God, for choosing us because you did not have to. It's in the matchless name of your son, our great God and our King Jesus. Can somebody say amen?